0: the Kindled Podcast. I'm your host, Haley Williams. The heart behind Kindled is to help moms use their gifts for God's glory and their good. We'll chat with real women who are learning how to do this very thing as they navigate motherhood, work, and the grace we need for both. This heart-to-heart is always had over a cup of coffee and usually paired with a business pep talk. We hope you'll find practical advice and the encouragement you need to work well and live more. Hey guys, welcome to episode 31 of Kindled. Today I am talking with Jane Johnson. Jane is a wife and mother who is filled with the passion to teach women of all ages how to study scripture. By trade, she is an author, designer, and one of the leading family photographers on Maui. Yes, she lives in a place most of us only dream of visiting for a week of our life. <laughs> Jane lives on the island with her handsome husband and long-awaited miracle baby boy with a second on the way. We talk about everything from web design to being moms of littles to reading the Bible and learning how to study scripture to the supernatural ways that God confirms things in our lives and how our stories point to a bigger story. Before we get started today, I want to remind you that if you love this podcast and want it to continue on, you can support it directly by going to patreon.com slash kindledpodcast and you can support us for as little as $5 a month. That's one latte a month and it means the world to me and also helps me pay the bills to keep this podcast up and running. So if that's you and you're someone that loves this every single week, please go check that out and see the benefits that you can get at each tier of being a Patreon supporter. I would love to have you on our Patreon team. And then second of all, if you haven't joined us on our Facebook group, we have a Facebook group to join the group. Just go to Kindlepodcast.com and click the green button at the top of the page that says join our community. And you can go in there and request to be added. It's a private community and just a place for us to talk about issues that moms who work and who are believers run into a lot of the time and to find people who are like-minded and like-hearted as you to discuss and engage on these issues that we cover on the podcast in a little bit more in-depth and personal way. Okay, without further ado, here's my conversation with Jane Johnson. Jane, thank you for joining us today on Kindled. Happy um, to have you here. Sure. Thanks for having me. So I was just telling you that I think that I found you on Instagram. Probably that's what most people would tell you, I'm assuming. <laughs> um, yeah. And of course, was drawn in by like the beautiful beach photos of where you live <laughs> um, because uh, you live in Hawaii. Right. Right. Yep. And,
1: um, and where in Hawaii are you at? We're on Maui and South Maui and Kihei. So okay. we moved here just, uh, just over four years ago. Okay. So, yeah. We where, love did it. you, where did you, where did you move from? We moved from Bend, Oregon. So Bend okay. is right smack in the, right in the center of Oregon. So central Oregon. And we lived there for 10 years before coming here. So it's a different climate for sure, but we love it.
0: Yeah. What brought you guys to move?
1: Well, that's uh, kind of our story. So if I meet a stranger on the beach and they ask me that, then we just tell them, oh, we're just chasing adventure. But the long version of the story is that I had just lost my best friend to cancer. We had been trying for eight years for a family unsuccessfully, and I just needed to heal and get away and pack up the heavy winters and live on a tropical island for a while. So my husband thankfully indulged me and we packed up everything that we owned and put it in storage and came over with one-way flights and five suitcases and haven't really looked back. So that's kind of how we ended up here. Wow. Yeah. I don't
0: think I didn't know that. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> you <Yeah. laughs> so we really were chasing adventure. Yeah. Yep. For sure. So can you tell people about what you do and a little bit about who you are and start there and we can kind of sure. jump into your story from there.
1: Yeah, I, I do a little bit of everything. I am a creative entrepreneur. So I um, started that with photography. I do portrait photography and photograph families. Um, now on Maui, it's mostly tourists. So I do family photo shoots on the beach. And then I'm a graphic designer. So I do branding design for photographers. I design websites and logos and all that stuff. And now I'm also a writer. So I do a little bit of all of those things all combined in once. And so that's what made it easy for us to come to Maui because. My husband was doing all of the back-end business stuff for me um, when we moved. So all I had to do was unplug the computer, move across an ocean, plug it back in, and my business was relatively uninterrupted. So it made it for a really easy transition. So that's kind of the backstory on what I do. And now I have a toddler. He's almost he's going to be two in December and then one on the way. So things are changing a lot with my work world. But um, yeah, that's how I got here.
0: Yeah, I love that. I am also a creative entrepreneur and do similar stuff to you is it has been the core of my business for seven years web and branding and stuff. So mm-hmm. we could probably have like a whole episode on. Oh, yeah, <laughs> like, for sure. That's sharing, a whole other conversation. Yeah. Sharing war <laughs> stories of like working with clients. <laughs> and, yeah. Yeah. No, I actually, I love what I do. I'm sure you do too. It's really, mm-hmm. it's like a dream. Yeah. But it is, it is challenging as well. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yes, for sure. Do
0: you work with anyone else or do you, are you like a solopreneur?
1: Solo. Yeah. I have loved being my own boss and working solo, but just in the last couple of weeks or not weeks, a couple of years, it's been, I've missed the kind of camaraderie and collaboration of working with other people. Yeah. I think that I could easily go back into like a corporate world and just have that kind of collaborative environment. But I do love making my own hours and being my own boss and being able to work in my pajamas if I want to
0: <laughs> yes I know yeah. I never I never get tired of that although it no. does also make sometimes for like I don't know feeling yucky because like you've been like slumming it around the house and yep. at five o'clock and you're like Ugh, I just feel like grimy like I'm covered in like a layer of filth that I yeah. can't get off and uh. yeah
1: it's a bad sign when your husband's like why are you getting ready and you're like uh because I haven't in a week
0: <laughs> right exactly yeah, yeah. Totally. My kids, it's really funny because they're used to that as well, especially over the summer when they weren't, we weren't really like going anywhere scheduled. And if I would get Dressed and ready to go out for a meeting, my oldest daughter, who's four, would be like, Why are you wearing that? And I was like, like I'm dressed. Like, I'm wearing my nice, I'm wearing normal clothes, like a human being. Like, I'm sorry that I'm not wearing yoga pants. And it, like, I think it stresses her out because she's like, Where are we going today? And I'm like, Nowhere. She's just like a homebody, just like me. So
1: that's hilarious. It makes it easier to work from home when you are a homebody. My husband's not. He prefers to work at coffee shops and things. And I'd rather just hole up in my, computer and my corner yeah. of the house. And
0: yeah, I yeah. do like a change of scenery, but it's like, it's kind of a misleading thing that you're going to go to a coffee shop and like have a better work environment than you can create in your own house. Cause it's loud. And right. I don't like overhearing people's conversations. So I have to wear like headphones and totally. otherwise I'm totally distracted and uh-huh. And so I have to, like, blare my music. So I have to go somewhere and then, like, turn up all my environmental noises so I can't hear anything. (laughs) But I'm mostly there because they have, like, you know, endless supply of caffeine. So that's (laughs) the main reason. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. (laughs) So good. What do you design websites in? WordPress or... WordPress, uh, yeah. Okay. And I,
1: for a, a handful of years, I worked with a developer where I, we built everything custom from scratch. Mm-hmm. And now just because most of my clients are photographers, I design mostly for ShowIt and ProPhoto now. Oh, cool. um, so it's super easy so that the, the theme's already built in. I don't have to mm-hmm. wait three months for a developer to build the site, you know, and it's super intuitive mm-hmm. for other people to just like, you know, I can create the design and hand it over to them. And then they have mm-hmm. the back end to themselves and it's like super easy for them to update. So yeah. I've simplified quite a bit in the last couple of years.
0: Yeah. Don't you love that there's so many tools? Like we don't, we don't have to design from scratch anymore. Like, yeah. I mean, some companies need that. Like if you're CNN and you have like, you know, millions of megs of video, then you're probably going to need some, like some more intense, like backend database solutions. Mm-hmm. Right. But like for even with WordPress designing, you know, I remember I interviewed before I started doing this, I interviewed, so I was a journalism grad and I kind of self-taught web design. But my, one of my first jobs I was trying to get was for a web design position at this company that does payment solutions or something like credit card processing and they were asking me in my experience and I was like well I I'm not like a coder I do web design but it's like the I design the front end and I didn't really know anything about what it was called I was like <laughs> I just I was like I felt like I was cheating but I was like yeah. um I design WordPress uh, with themes and I don't like start <laughs> from scratch but I customize it and and they were like yeah totally like, no, that's not. And I said, I don't know. Is that cheating? And they were like, no, that's not cheating. That's smart. (laughs) And I was like, okay, all right. Mm -hmm. And that was like the first time I realized like, this is not less than it's just different and it's efficient. And I'm like, obsessed with being efficient. And so that's right. why I love it so much because it's like you're so quick and you have so much flexibility. And
1: For sure. Yep. Yeah. I actually got into the design accidentally um, back when Facebook, before they had their algorithms and everything, back when Facebook was strictly used for networking and having friends and back in like 2009 or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I designed my own website for myself and did a trade with a developer and did his family photos and he developed my Photoshop design website for me. And all the photographers that I was friends with on Facebook saw my new website. And then they're like, Hey, can you do that for me? And I was like, sure. And then it just really snowballed into like within two years, I yeah. was had built 150 websites. And the crazy wow. part about that is that my developer friend was just like a little freelance guy. And he took the portfolio of websites that he had built for me and then went down to move to California and got a job as a senior manager at ABC. And he's worked at the NFL and everything. So kind of like his working with my portfolio mm-hmm. and designs kind of launched his career and everything, which is pretty wow. crazy. So, before we came to Maui, I was interviewing for a senior level design position for ABC to doing their uh, apps for like the Oscars and things like that. And I was just wow. like, we were three weeks away from moving. And I was like, God, I cannot make the choice between career and salary and money and, you know, all of the American dream or living on an island and breathing and healing. Like, I, I cannot make the choice. And so anyways, I was just praying and I was like, okay, God, you do what you're going to do. And they ended up not hiring me and we moved to Maui. And then like three weeks later, my friend sent me an email and he said, hey, my manager just came in and just told me he felt like it was a missed opportunity that we didn't hire you. And I was like, oh my gosh, God had this in Maui the whole time, you know, and how he just kind of like opened up the red carpet for us to come here and heal and get our little miracle. And yeah. Uh, so crazy how he does that.
0: Yeah, so. that is crazy. I don't know that I don't know that I could make that choice either. That sounds yeah, so that, hard. like You're like everything that you've probably pictured that you thought you would want. And then you're there and you're like, I don't know. Do I like, is this actually what I want? (laughs) Right. For sure. Yeah. So shifting from web, web design talk. So you wrote a book that is coming out in Mm -hmm. a month, essentially Mm -hmm. October 2nd, you said October 2nd. So, and that's called mercy, mercy, like Like morning. morning. Okay. Mm -hmm. And well, one, I haven't read it because it's not out yet, but what what is that book about and what made you want to write it?
1: So it's a a combination of things. It's um, part memoir, part our story. Um, So our story is our waiting for a family. We ended up waiting for 10 years before we got pregnant with our little miracle baby. Um, And we ended up not doing anything to make that happen. We had choices in front of us of in vitro or adoption or artificial insemination, all those things. And we just chose that um, we weren't going to do anything and we were just going to wait for God to perform his miracle. And, And that was a really hard choice to make. I mean it was easy to a certain extent in the um world of faith, but then like continuing to choose that for 10 years when you don't know that it's going to be 10 years worth of waiting was um a lot. So um so it's part that and then also in the middle of that walking my best friend through her battle with cancer. And it was um, by the time between the day that she was diagnosed and the day that she died was about 18 months. So it was very quick and very dramatic and just a lot. And she was married to our college pastor at the time when I first met her. She discipled me and mentored me. So she provided kind of a lot of the foundation for my faith and guiding me in things and losing her and not having that answer to prayer while not having the answer to our prayer was just kind of devastating. So throughout that 10 years i just journaled everything i'm an avid prayer journaler i just have to like write everything out to make my brain not be so crazy get off the hamster wheel a little mm-hmm. bit you know mm-hmm. um and all of that eventually i knew that it was going to turn into something like i just kept telling myself this is not going to be wasted it's not going to be for naught you know and i knew it was going to be turned into something eventually so anyways long story short when i was um pregnant with my first a uh, publishing company had heard about our story and reached out to me and wanted to do a book deal about our story. And so that kind of turned into this whole project. So it's a combination of our memoir and how we got to where we are, and then also a combination of teaching women how to study the Bible. So it kind of went hand in hand through my waiting journey. I just dug so deeply into the Bible and into scripture every single morning just like taking the same old stories that I'd read a thousand times about waiting and Abraham and Sarah and Hannah and all of the things that I had heard that sounded so trite I needed to dig deeper and find something new to cling to and so I just taught myself how to look up the Hebrew, how to look up the Greek, how to cross-reference, how to do all of those things to just find something else that I could hold on to so it's a combination of all those things, it's how to study scripture, it's how to look at the Greek and the Hebrew and all those things and um, there's a handful of sample Bible studies in there for how I do my quiet times. And so anyways, it's, I'm just really super convicted of not just kind of telling people, this is what I've learned in my 10 years, but like providing the treasure map of this is how I learned to study the Bible and to understand an aspect of God's character in a way that most people don't get to. And I want you to learn how to do it too, you know, so that women aren't pendulum swinging from 10-week study to 10-week study and not knowing what to do in between so that they can just kind of open their Bibles in the morning on their own and pick apart any section of scripture without relying on a pastor or a teacher or a book or somebody mm-hmm. to you know guide them through. So that's kind of it's all kind of mixed into that tied up with the bow of here's our story, you know.
0: Yeah, wow, that's awesome. That sounds so good. And I'm yeah. really excited to see what that looks like in practicality because I think what you're especially what you're saying about like actually studying the Bible and knowing how to mm-hmm. dig deeper for yourself is something that a lot of a lot of younger adults and probably older adults too are missing in their mm-hmm. own personal walk. Like even, mm-hmm. even sp- people have been believers for years and years. And if you don't know how, and even I, I mean, I've been, I've like known the truth since I was very little and, and still like sometimes can come to the text a little like, okay, what am I doing here? Mm-hmm. And, and, and almost like rely more on like Okay, God, like, strike me with lightning, like, give me something magical this time, instead of like, actually knowing how to look at what is already there, because he has already spoken. And he did, you know, he did give us, he did Mm -hmm. give us his inspired word. And, Mm -hmm. and, but if we don't know how to actually read it, it's you're missing so much.
1: Right. And it's kind of like when you're, I mean, I'm going to use a Maui reference here, but it's kind of like taking a boat out at sunrise or whatever sunset and just kind of floating on the water and standing on the boat and being like, oh, look at that really pretty sunset. Oh, a little whale popped its head up or whatever. But like studying scripture is like when you know how to use the tools, it's like putting a mask on and sticking your face under the water and seeing everything that's happening under the water. You know, like you're missing Mm -hmm. out on so much when you're just scratching the surface and floating along on the surface of the story rather than like diving underneath the water. Yeah. Um, And that I think what kind of spurred it on was I there was a five year span where I was teaching at conferences for a good five years and almost every single time after every single session that I would teach the overwhelming question that I would get from people after I was done speaking always was how did you learn to study that way? So they were like, women are so curious about wanting to know how to study the Bible that way on their own, you know? And so that just really triggered something in me of like theology and and seminaries and all those things. They're fantastic. They're really great things to do. Um, But I feel like for women, a lot of times it feels out of reach, especially if you have kids and you're at home and you have a career and everything else. It's like, that's the last thing I have time Mm -hmm. for. But there's so many free resources online that you can just like... Teach yourself and dig in yourself, and you know, like just because you're not going to seminary doesn't mean you can't study the Bible in depth. And so right? That's yeah. what kind of triggered the okay. Well, I could teach you what I've taught myself. You know, I don't have all the answers, yeah. and I've had people that have sent me emails asking about the Hebrew word for this because they're getting a tattoo, and I'm like, I cannot. I know, I'm not putting that pressure yeah. on myself of <laughs> you, like putting the wrong Hebrew word on your body because I don't. I'm not like versed in Hebrew, but I know right. how to like look up of word and click on the definition you know what I'm yes saying? yes my husband
0: has two tattoos on his like inner biceps uh well on each side and they're Hebrew words for freedom and for forgiveness and yeah but like when I first met him and noticed them I was like so what do those say and he told me it was freedom and forgiveness in Hebrew and I was like how do you know that it really says that <laughs> yeah. I'm like because I've heard <laughs> terrible things of like totally. people who get like they think they are getting that and then they're not getting yeah. that.
1: So I have a tattoo on my ankle that's a kanji symbol and it supposedly means Jesus. And I've looked it up and confirmed it, but I got it when I was 19 on a whim in a tattoo shop and it was like, this is on the wall and this means Jesus. And I was like, I'll take that one. And I had no idea if it really meant that or not. And yeah. So for like two years, I was afraid to go look it up and I looked it up in a book and it looked right to me. And a year ago, I was doing a photo shoot for... Uh, family that was versed in panji, and so the dad was standing in the parking lot. And he noticed my tattoo, and he was like, "Hey, what is your tattooing?" And or what, how did it come up? He asked something about the tattoo, and I asked him, "Well, what do you, what does it say?" And he said, "What do you want it to say?" <laughs> I told him, oh, no. and he laughed a little bit, and he confirmed that it means Jesus. But I oh, was God. so nervous of yeah. like I heard that same story of like you think that you're saying one thing and it yeah. Means-
0: yeah American
1: or something okay
0: I'm gonna make myself sound like such an idiot though but where is that language from kanji, kanji? yeah I well that's
1: why it was really generic in my story because I almost said Chinese but I'm not sure it's, if it's Chinese or Japanese I think oh it's so it's
0: like okay so it's like a bra, like a, a symbol symbol language yeah. what's yep yeah I don't know how to even say symbolic, that like yeah I'm obviously <laughs> an idiot way. so I know. <laughs> oh boy Oh, man. So what I wanted to ask you, though, before we get off on that was, what drove you to a place of being like, I want to study the scripture? Like, I want to know for myself, like, what I want to read the original Greek and Hebrew and see what the original meaning of this word is. Like, what drove you to that place?
1: I think it was a combination of uh, desperation and curiosity. Um, I remember the first time I was sitting in a coffee shop and I discovered a little um, what a cross-reference was in my Bible for the first time. So just seeing that little super script letter next to a verse, and I was like, what is that? And just kind of like hopping around and going from like the New Testament to the Old Testament and watching how the stories connected um, fascinated me because I felt like I just like had a little sermon in a coffee shop by myself that nobody had to teach me. I just had the dots myself. And so that was, um, I think a little light bulb went off that was like, oh my gosh, that is like, I couldn't do this. This is really fascinating to me. And so it's a, it was a combination of curiosity. And then also in the really hardest um, times of waiting when I was just like, really grieving the loss of, you know, like having friend after friend after friend announcing another pregnancy and, you know, three, four, five years in and we're still waiting for one and people are going back for seconds and thirds and I would just cry in my closet. You know, I think a lot of it too was just like that desperation of I have got to have two quiet times a day or something just so I can get to the day without crying. And I can't mm. read the same thing I just read. So I just need to find something a little bit deeper or a new little nugget to like, you know, like you can't eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich every day for 10 years. You need to like mm-hmm. mix up your diet a little bit and find something else that has a little bit more nourishment or flavor or whatever, you know. So mm. it was yeah. a combination of all of those things. And then it got addicting of like once I figured out, Hey, like click on this and look at this definition. And like, all of a sudden one word takes on a whole new meaning, you know, is it yeah created almost like a habitual, like, I have to see what this says because it's so fascinating how Mm -hmm. suddenly I could take a 10 minute quiet time. And then I was sitting at my table for over an hour in the morning, you know, I couldn't pull myself away because his word was so rich. And it just, I think I would sit there until the sorrow kind of dissipated a little bit so that I can go on with my day. And then once that sorrow welled up in me again, I'd steal away and get my nose on my Bible for a minute just to be able to breathe because I just didn't I didn't want to be the woman that was just wallowing in my grief a lot, you know? Mm-hmm. I was really convicted of I, as hard as it was, I didn't want to avoid the baby showers and avoid the baby dedications. Like I wanted to still show up and, you know, rejoice with those who rejoice and let them weep with me as I weep. And, you know, like mm-hmm. I just really wanted to be caught in the act of believing eventually when God decided to do his miracle. I didn't want to get frustrated and just be like, oh, whatever, I'm done, you know, and then five mm-hmm. years later, surprise. And I'm like, oh, shoot, I gave up on that like five years ago. You know, I really just mm-hmm. wanted to be caught in the act of believing whenever God decided to do it. So
0: Mm, I really, that's really cool. Caught in the act of believing, Mm -hmm. like, like, I don't know if this is how you intend it, but it sounds like you're getting caught red-handed. Like, Oh, (laughs) here I am. I, I've, I've been believing this this whole time and, but I had no reason to, necessarily believe it was like going to happen other than you are who you say you are you know there was no like sign or oh like looks like we're getting close like you can't you don't have those you know especially right. with something sure. like infertility like you I mean you might kind of feel that way like every month but then every month you're left wanting again and you're like right it I just don't know if that's even gonna happen right
1: yeah yeah and the endless. it was the endless cycle of just like feeling like you're believing God for the wrong thing or you misheard him oh. or whatever, you know? And there was um, the fall, we found out that we were pregnant with Jordan in February of 2016. And the fall before that, I was speaking at a conference. And um, two nights before the conference, I was at a friend's house and talking with her and her husband at like three o'clock in the morning, catching up in one of those all night, let's catch up sessions. And I was telling them that I was preparing to get on stage in front of 250 women and tell them like, we believe that God's going to perform his miracle now nine years in. We still believe that he's going to do it without any intervention or anything like that. And her husband looked at me and he's like, you know what, Jane, we love you. We support you. Whatever you believe God's going to do, that's great. But I have to say what everyone else is thinking. You're crazy. And I was like, I know. I know I'm crazy, you know? And it was one of those things where I was just like, had to go into the bathroom and like rip the side of the sink with white knuckles and stare in the mirror and say, God, you've got to do this because I'm mm-hmm. believing you for it. And you've confirmed it over and over through various avenues. And, you know, mm-hmm. like that's a whole other kind of topic of the way that he mm-hmm. confirms promises and things. But yeah, it's terrifying to stand up in front of people after nine years of waiting and not mm-hmm. one positive pregnancy test ever and say, We still believe God's gonna do this, you know, and and then yeah. he did it. And it was just like
0: Oh my gosh, you actually did it. It still like, gives me chills all over my body. Yeah. Oh, I'm getting chills. (laughs) That's crazy. crazy. Yeah. Did you get a lot of people that like that, who were like, you know, we really admire your heart, but maybe you should get a new dream or like, did you hear that kind of
1: stuff from people? I had a lot of conversations with people, especially the last couple of years of our journey, of like, that's really great, but like, aren't in vitro and adoption and all those things? I mean, those are miracles too, which is, Mm -hmm. yes, we absolutely agree with that. You know, like, I have plenty of friends that have done in vitro and friends that have adopted, and that just wasn't part of our story. So we just knew that for our miracle, for us personally, it was just God going to um allow us to conceive without any intervention and not taking away from any anybody else's miracle story or you know judging them for making their choice to go that route because God uses that very clearly but Um, I don't have the verse reference right in front of me, but there's a verse in the New Testament that talks about how if you know what to do um, and you don't do it, that's sin to you. And so like doing in vitro or adopting, you know, that's not sin outrightly. Mm -hmm. But for us, we knew that it was something that we were not supposed to do. So if we went down that road, it would be sin for us. You know, not Mm -hmm. that God wouldn't bless it, but I just was so convicted that like in vitro fails and adoptions fail. And I just knew that if we were so convicted that God was telling us that he was going to perform this miracle. We could chase all these other avenues and they wouldn't work out if God Mm -hmm. had a specific plan for us, you know? So I might as well save myself a heartache and, you Mm -hmm. know, it's like a lesser of two heartaches, (laughs) choose one heartache of waiting or, you know, that kind of deal. But
0: yeah. Well, and you mentioned it already, but um, Abraham and Sarah, I mean, That comes to mind right away as you're talking because God promised Abraham, you know, mm-hmm. that your descendants will be as many as grains of sand or as many stars in the sky, and yet Sarah was barren. And so, right. I mean, for how many years do you does, do you know off the top of your head? Did 20. they wait twenty, 20. years? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, and
1: that was um, the chapters in Genesis between chapters eighteen and thirty were ones that I really spent a lot of time in for a long time. And you don't really notice the nuances of the dates. You have to kind of do a little bit of digging to like pay attention, but God references dates in those chapters for a specific reason. And I was always intrigued by, I mean, it always references the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And one day I was like, God, why, why are those three men always together? You know, and that's a whole other topic. So there's probably a million reasons why they're always together. Mm-hmm. But for my story and for my right then, I was like, God, why is this intriguing me? And so um, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob were grandfather, son, and grandson. And each of them were married to women that Um, were unable to conceive for at least 20 years. So all three of them were waited for a long time and struggled. I never knew that. And the fascinating thing about it was that God was just showing me that the longer that these women waited for their children, the greater impact their children ended up having on the hall of faith, you know? Mm. And so that was another thing that I clung to is that the more time went on, I was like, okay, Lord, you're just going to do something big with our little babes, you know, whatever it is, they're going to be doing something big for your kingdom for whatever it is, you know? And so I was just clinging to that. The longer time went on, the more he was going to use their story, like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you know? So that was... Mm one thing that I dug up and, you know, just returning to all of those stories again and again and turning over the rocks and digging up the things. And there's always new little treasures to find. And that's what makes you, you know, lets you take a deep Mm -hmm. breath and move on another day and then come back the next day and say, okay, God, this is hard again, you know, but, Mm -hmm. or there were times where I would take like a three or four week break because I was so tired of like trying to find what I felt like I wanted God to say to me in my quiet times that I felt like I was forcing it. So I just set it aside and would come back a few weeks later and pounding fists on heaven. And just knowing that the sooner that I like released my fist, the sooner I could just start worshiping Him again mm. and move along, oh you know, gosh. so that I could be caught yeah. in the act of believing again, you know? So. Wow. That is amazing. By any
0: means, but uh, super rich, crazy. Yeah. story. <laughs> You were mentioning like the longer that they waited, the greater the impact their their descendants and their children had on the kingdom. Like, mm-hmm. do you feel like you're already seeing that come true for you in your life with like what is going on with you and your story now today, like, uh, and how your ministry as someone that's telling your story and, and really not, it's not just like your story. It's actually about Mm -hmm. God in your life. Like that, that is what I think makes it powerful is that, yes, it's, it is your story, but what it points to is him. And, and I'm asking if you feel like you see that because I, as you were speaking, I was like, well there, it's already happening, you know, like it's already, like, I'm, I feel like you're already seeing, Yeah. You know, the first pieces of that, like it's just the beginning of the garden. I'm sure there's so much more to come, but it's just really cool to like, think of it that way and realize that, you know, that there is, um, that parallel there
1: for sure. Yeah. It's really interesting. Just the timing of all this and Timing of writing the book and just like teaching more and just teaching like through, like I use Instagram a lot just as my blog and it just talking a lot about how the things that I dig up, you know, in my morning quiet times end up on my Instagram posts. And um, it's really Crazy to see just how God has taken this and how it's exploding. Um, and how like I laugh that I had 10 years to write a book and how God was like, No, you're not gonna write a book until you have a newborn. Like I wrote my book from when my son was three months old up until like his first year. So, like (laughs) the worst possible time to write a book when you have no time to yourself, you know. And he's like, Now when you have no time to do things is when things are gonna get really crazy, you know. Mm -hmm. So it's and it's also really interesting being a writer, like I'm new to the writing world. I mean, I've been, I've had my blog for about five years, but it's hard to wrap my brain around the fact that I am a writer now and an author. And you know, like you put everything out on social media for people to see, but it's this weird thing where like, you're not making eye contact with people and you don't know how many people are really reading it. You have like the blind likes, but you're not having that eye-to-eye mm-hmm. contact, personal mm-hmm. communications. You don't really know the impact that it's making, but just like the little ripple effects that are already coming about out from, you know, the people that have already gotten advanced copies of the book and are reading the book and, and sharing the story, like hearing the feedback from that has been so humbling and mm-hmm. seeing what God is, like the little early effects of what he's going to be doing is so insane, yeah. you know, and just like watching people take the system that i have for how i've learned to study scripture and apply it to their own lives and how it's completely forever changed how they approach quiet times is just mind-blowing to me so Mm. yeah pretty fun to watch
0: yeah so fun all right guys i'm sorry to interrupt this awesome episode but i just have one quick word to say Podcasts are so fun, right? It's free content in your earbuds, anytime you want to listen to on any topic you want to listen to. I hope that this show is encouraging, informative, and something that you look forward to listening to each week. If it is, can I ask you to go to the podcast app on your phone and leave a review? It can be just a few stars. It can be five stars. And if you're feeling really generous, you can even leave some words of encouragement or how a specific episode or story has impacted you. What has it meant to you? has someone's words hit you at just the right time where you truly felt like God had those words for you that day. And that moment, I spend hours each week to create this show and I love doing it. It's something that I'm passionate about. I'm passionate about the content and about you guys. It's for you, the listeners. So it's so encouraging to me and honestly means so much to know that you're listening to the episodes and you're enjoying them. And I'd love to know how you're feeling about it. I'd also love to know if you have anyone that you want to come on the show that would mean a lot to you to hear their story on Kindled regarding work, motherhood, and the grace we need for both. I obviously can't promise that everyone that gets submitted will be on the show, but if you do have a recommendation, I have a form on my website that is a booking form where you can go on and submit this person to be on the show, or you can connect with me on Instagram and just message me there and I'll check those messages out. So that's all I have for you today. Please leave a review and let me know if you have any recommended guests that you want to hear from on Kindled. Okay. Thanks for letting me interrupt. And now back to my interview. And that, that kind of brings me back to something else I wanted to ask you about was I think what I'm hearing a lot in, in how you're speaking about your quiet times and how you couldn't get away and how you learned to study and even how you actually went to God for your specific personal interpretation of his inerrant truth for your life. You know, it, it was like, what is the lens that I need to read this through? Mm -hmm. Um, because, you do have a personal relationship with God. You do have a faith that is, yes, rooted in the ages and in eternity that has, you know, he's always been the same and never will change. But also it is true that like he does convict people of specific things for their own path and Mm -hmm. say, you know, you know what, this is what I have for you. And that other thing isn't wrong. And that's right for someone else, but it's not right for you, which is really challenging stance to take in this, in this world. And in this age that we live in, where everybody can see what everybody else is doing and what everyone else is, God is calling them to. And whether that's becoming a parent or becoming an author or becoming a podcaster, becoming famous on Instagram or like whatever the thing is, you know, um, Mm -hmm. it's so easy to compare, our journey to others and to say, well, like, maybe that's what you have for me. How did you cultivate a relationship with God that was rich enough that you really knew with without a shadow of a doubt, like, that's not what you're calling me to. And that specific personal conviction, how that developed, because I bet a lot of people are like, I don't feel that confident in what I think I hear God tell me or what I think the Holy Spirit is committed, you know, like, mm-hmm. how do we have that confidence
1: I think that there were so many times as I was doing my digging in my quiet times that God would allow me to uncover something that would just blow my mind, you know, that would just kind of like astonish me. And, or I would be like flipping through and like fill like three or four pages of journal notes with things like little rabbit trails that I was taking that would hurt my brain. That I'm like, surely this is not just. For me to just like regurgitate and write in my journal and shut the pages and move along, you know? Um, But I think that a a lot of times he, I I started noticing patterns. I'm kind of a pattern person of like repeated words and phrases. And when he would like repeat different verses or confirm different things, um, he just started, when I learned to just kind of trust his voice, he started speaking louder and clearer to me. Mm. So I think that when I just stop second guessing it and just like, this might sound really silly, but I can really tell when the spirit is like speaking to me because my handwriting changes, it's really bizarre, but my handwriting like changes into a specific way when I'm writing in my journals and just like recognizing little nuances like that. And Um, When I write down something on my prayer journal and then three days later, something else randomly happens where somebody sends me an email or, you know, a text message or I had this dream about you that confirms what I just written down three days ago, like really just starting to trust in those things um, helped To kind of go deeper and deeper and deeper, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. Um, And also, like, I read a lot of commentaries. A lot of the commentaries that I read, I've actually never read a commentary by a female. I'm still trying to find female written commentaries. I mean, I haven't tried very hard. I know they're out there, but all the commentaries that I read are on Mm blueletterbible.com. And they're all from, like, you know, the late 1800s, early 1900s. And they're all written by men. And so that. Um, it's, they're really fantastic and they're rich, but sometimes when you're struggling with not being able to conceive a child, when you were created to do that, and men, that's not something that they understand. So I would read First Samuel when the, um, Hannah's husband talks about, you know, she's in anguish and weeping because she can't get pregnant, and her husband's like, "Am I not worth?" more to you than ten sons, you know, and a lot of the commentaries talk about that and how like, you know, we should just like be content with our husbands and things like that. But I'm like, (laughs) okay, that's fine. But then she turned around and just like wept quietly. You know, at the threshold of the tabernacle before the Lord, because like her husband didn't understand, yeah, and her friends probably didn't understand. You know, like a a lot of infertility is really personal and private. And actually, I have to say, I don't like the word infertility. Um, Mm. probably about five years into our journey, it didn't ever sit right with me because I believed that God was going to Mm. allow us to have a child, so I called it delayed fertility because I was just like, I can't say infertile, that sounds so permanent, you know. So, yeah, anyways. Um, So it was those kinds of things where like, yeah, there's commentaries and you have to like, you know, trust that I'm not, there's nothing new under the sun. It's not like I'm going to discover something brand new that's never been discovered before. But I also have to understand that like these commentaries that are written by men are not going to be the best resource for Mm -hmm. solace in when you're the body of a female is physically incapable of doing what mm-hmm. you were created to do, you know? So yeah, I think a lot of it
0: was just like uncovering those. And a commentary is not a, you know, is not the inerrant word of God. It's not right. God inspired. It's written right. by a man. So there's right. room for error. There's room for interpretation. There's room for, for sure. oh, my personal perspective is coloring how I interpret the scripture. And I happen right. to be a man. Or, yeah. you know, if you're a woman, like, you know, you're going to think of, all of the pain that someone would feel being a woman who didn't have that baby that she wants yet. And right. whereas, yeah, like you just said, it's, it, that's really interesting point to keep in right. mind, like, as you are digging into those resources, like that they're, they're not scripture.
1: Right. And also that, that verse did help me with, um, Hannah's husband where he's like, listen, am I not, am I not worth it to you? Like, Come on, let's be content here. Like it helped me understand my husband a little bit more because there are plenty of couples where like the husband and wife both grieves equally because they can't have a baby and it's hard for both of them. Our story was that my husband was just kind of very black and white about how God was gonna do his promise and perform his promise. And he wasn't really grieving the waiting process. It wasn't anywhere near as hard for him. So that helped me to see, okay, her husband is like pretty content too. So it helped me to like look Mm -hmm. at her example. And say, just pour your heart out to the Lord. And Mm -hmm. it's okay to be angry and it's okay to be honest and, you know, to swear if you have to, because, like, I feel like people kind of err on the side of, I have to approach God with this holiness, which, yes, absolutely, He's holy, but He also knows exactly what's going on in your heart and mind. So you might as well get out the raw honesty so that you can Mm -hmm. get back to, like, that truth and holiness. But yeah, 100%.
0: I love that. Um, So, how would you say, today. So, and you, you got obviously just for anyone that is unclear, you did end up getting pregnant with your first son without Mm -hmm. any interventions. Yep.
1: Yeah. And then pregnant with number two without any same way. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Did you guys
0: find out gender on this one? It's it's a boy. It's a boy. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. What would you say like now, I mean, about where you're at with Wait. This this idea of waiting because we we talked about this a little bit in our Instagram conversation, and you said that you 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 still feel like you're in a season of waiting. So what? I mean, obviously you're pregnant, so right. you're kind of waiting to have that next right. that next kid. And what is life going to look like? But how has that changed as you've like had a major prayer of your heart answered? But you know, we all know, of course, like babies don't fix anything, and we know mm-hmm. that you still like have um, that life is still hard and there's still Mm -hmm. things that you're praying for. And, um, like, how can you talk about that? Like what that's looked like?
1: Yeah. I think that for better, for worse, we're always, always in a season of waiting. You know, there's Mm -hmm. always something that you're waiting for. Like even like writing this book, I turn in the manuscript and then I have to wait for a year before the book comes out. Or, you know, the fact that my son is, Almost 21 months. He's almost two and he's still not talking. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. will you please just hurry up and talk because communication would be so much easier, you know? So I'm waiting Mm -hmm. for him to start talking. I'm waiting for probably five years from now when they're both in school and I can get back to my happy place of like spending an hour studying my Bible and hiding in front of the computer and losing myself in design and photography and everything else, you know? Like, there's a lot of things that. You're waiting for one of the things that Shauna used to say was she was my best friend that had died of cancer, but she said that um, you know like you're always I think Ecclesiastes was one of her favorite books for you know just because it's talking about like everything's vanity and you're always waiting for this and waiting for that and mm-hmm. you know like if you're single you're waiting to get married and if you're married you can't wait to have kids and once you have babies you can't wait till they're in school and like you're always waiting for the next season and you know I think a, a social media kind of exasperates that a little a little bit when. You know, you're comparing yourself to people's houses and their families and their adventures and everything else. And so I think a lot of my. Kind of coping with waiting for our family was digging deep in scripture, but also just learning to live vicariously through my own life because I would travel all the time. And a lot of that was to like fill a void and a hole and, you know, that kind of thing, which is fine if you acknowledge it and that's what makes you happy and you can find joy in doing that. That's fine. But I got so tired of people, you know, that had two or three kids that would just tell me, I'm living vicariously through you. And I'm like, well, I'm living vicariously through you too. You know, like we need to find a way to be thankful for the seasons that we're in now. And um, I think it goes across all seasons. And that was one lesson that I had to learn was um, figuring out how to be thankful without kids. Um, I think when Ann Voskamp's book, 1000 Gifts came out probably five, six, seven years ago, A girlfriend of mine was reading it and every Friday she would post on her blog a list of things that she was thankful for. And it was just like chubby, you know, like dirty fingerprints on the sliding glass door and crumbs on the, like everything that her like kids had left behind of the chaos of the world that she was trying to be thankful Mm -hmm. for. And I would just get so frustrated because I'm like, I've... I have nothing to be thankful for, which is so silly to say out loud. But you're like, my house is clean for three days because that's how I left it. And I'm sitting at my kitchen table and there's no sound of feet running around upstairs because there's no kids to do that. Like, what would I write in my list of thankfulness, you know? And Mm -hmm. so I forced myself to like sit down and write a daily list of thanks and be really creative because Mm -hmm. like your environment doesn't change and your scenes don't change. And so now it's kind of the same thing of like trying to be thankful of like, oh, I'm so frustrated. I just want to turn my brain off and lose myself in design. And I don't have the time. And just I'm reminding myself, remember when you wanted to give it all up and just be a mom, you know, and <laughs> that's all yeah. you're doing now. And you're just not content, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. So, and that's a, kind of a catch 22 of like in the aftermath of a miracle is that, you know, like the afterglow fades too for a miracle. And so you're just like, wait, how did yeah. I get here?
0: What's going yeah. on? You know, yeah.
1: that mindset is tough.
0: It's like in to to finish that thought in a way, it's like in the aftermath of a miracle, you're still waiting for heaven, you know, yeah, no matter sure. what answer you may get on this earth, it's never going to be what your heart was created for, which is to fully mm-hmm. experience and glorify God, and we mm-hmm. can do that in a mirror dimly here, you know, and it's it's a reflection of like what we will one day experience and and not to like make this world or experience here to make little of it but that that is kind of why no matter what your answer is or what your prayer is that you feel has finally been answered you're always going to be left with more unknown on this mm-hmm. earth like there will yeah. always be more unknown ahead that you're waiting to find out or waiting to get your answer and i was just telling this to a friend yesterday actually who Um, is dealing with some of those fears, too, of, you know, will I get pregnant or when will I get pregnant? And I was like, this is an unknown, but your God is not. Like, God is a known God, so we can trust our unknown to a known God. And Mm -hmm. and I think from my limited standpoint that that has to be why He has us wait, you know, because in those seasons where we're looking for our confirmation. We're looking for our answer. We're looking for, you know, all of the things, the gifts, the blessings, the answers that we may want and may even be good things on this earth. When we don't get those, we're like forced to go, okay, well, where do I look? Where do I look? Oh my yeah. gosh. Like I, and you, it's like that panicking, like, oh my gosh, if this isn't going to happen, what am I going to do? Like, am I going to be okay? And yeah. who am I without that? And, mm-hmm. and it forces us to honestly go to the only place that we can find that true comfort and and it's him so i mean yeah. and now obviously you know i'm not trying to be like job's comforter saying well the reason is like the reason you're waiting is this it's always this but but I know that like, like you said, nothing's ever wasted and right, that sure. he can be found in those seasons mm-hmm. um, and, and longs to be found in those seasons, right. as well as the seasons of blessing and plenty, you know?
1: Yeah. And I think that to a certain extent, waiting on the Lord is kind of a lost art these days. You know, like I remember probably 10 or 15 years ago, it seemed like it was way more common to hear, you know, people say, oh, we're just, oh, we're praying about this for a while. We're waiting on the Lord for this. And You don't really hear that anymore. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that just with our Particular story when we first had the results of like all of our fertility testing and everything that we had done that, like, you're going to have to do in vitro or artificial insemination or whatever. When we got that news, that was in probably 2008, 2009. And that was when it was still really crazy to do in vitro because like the success rate was still low. It was very expensive and people would kind of look at you like you're crazy if you're thinking about doing it because it was, had such a low success rate. And just in the last 10 years since that has happened or five years or whatever, five, six, seven, whatever it's been, it's flopped, you know, because they've come so far with the success rate on that. And I know so many friends that have done it and gotten pregnant successfully the first time. And so now if you say that you're not doing in vitro, people look at you like you're crazy. Like it shifted so fast. And I think with the rate that our culture is moving, of like every store or restaurant, it seems like, has you can order online, you can order on Yelp, you can order in advance and just go pick it up. You don't have to wait in line, you don't have to wait to be seated. You know, like there's so many get it now, do it now, buy it now things that when it comes to waiting for a family, you can go buy it now, for lack of a better phrase, you know. And so, I think that a lot of ter- a lot of times, just in general, people just don't know how to wait on the Lord. They feel like it's doing nothing, but like the word to wait is an. It's a verb. Like you're Mm. still, it might feel like you're not doing anything, but it's still an action. And when you're choosing to not do anything and stand still and see the holiness of the Lord, it opens Him up to be able to move the way that He wants to move. So you're personally not doing anything, but you're still doing something because God is doing something, you know, just like in... Joshua when the priest had to step foot into the river and then stand there and wait while the river drained 20 miles upstream. And they had to stand there and wait while God drained the river and did everything that he needed to do so they could cross on dry land. You know, like they stood and waited and did nothing, but they're doing nothing provided the path for the miracle for everybody to walk on dry ground. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, I think that it's it's so counterintuitive to say, I'm just not going to do anything. Like it feels like you're wasting time, but it's really just allowing God to move.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. And maybe his movement is that confirmation that you do in vitro or mm-hmm. that confirmation sure. that you don't do in vitro, you know, and, yeah. and that answer, like you said before, is is a, par- a part of your walk with God that, that no one can from the outside really tell you necessarily what exactly that should look like, you know, because mm-hmm. there is there is freedom there for you right. to, you know, interpret that in your own walk. What would you tell someone if they're like, okay, but how do I wait? You just said it's you're waiting and it's not an action, but it is also an action. Is it mostly about a heart posture or how do we even understand what how do I wait for whatever I'm waiting for? Like, how do I do that well?
1: Um, I think that it's okay to ask God to confirm or deny things. You know, if you feel like God is putting it on your heart to wait. Ask him to confirm that, and he'll confirm it or deny it, or you know he's he's faithful to do that. And I think that a lot of times people get nervous asking God for a sign, like you're testing God. So with my story, I think when we were trying to decide if we were moving to Maui or not was one of the. I was at the uh, one of the conferences that I was teaching at, and I met a girl there. We were having dinner, and I was talking about how we're thinking about moving, but we weren't sure where yet. We we're looking at Portland and Atlanta, and like all these random, like San Diego and Maui, like these random cities that had nothing to do with each other. And we had the shortlist going and, you know, we laughed about how different that they were and went on our way. And um, seven or eight months later, we ended up moving to Maui. And before we moved to Maui, I was going through my, this is such a silly story, but I was going through my bathing suit drawer and like getting rid of all the bathing suits that I had and like opening up a new stock because we're moving to Hawaii. And mm-hmm. my very favorite bathing suit was a red bikini that like I had had for four or five years and it was threadbare. And it's the kind of suit where like you put on the bottoms and like the fabric just hangs down, like it's saggy and separated. <laughs> and things. Yeah, but I kept it and my, I put it on and my husband's like, no. That is like retired and I was like what there's nothing wrong with it, but he's like throw it out So anyways, I was on the hunt for a new red bikini. I wanted a red bikini. It was so silly But it was just like I just wanted a red bikini Mm -hmm. And so I was kind of shopping for one and looking online and I didn't ever find one and we moved to Maui and I forgot about like my red bikini hunt and we'd been there for maybe three or four months and the girlfriend that I had met at dinner at that conference she sent me a text out of the blue and she said listen don't ask me why I'm asking you this but do you own a red bathing suit specifically a two-piece and I was like Well, no, I used to have one, but I've been looking for one. That's kind of weird. Why did you ask me that? You know, even though she told me not to. And she said that night after we had dinner, she's like, I just had a vision of you living on Maui on the beach, wearing a red bikini with a giant swollen pregnant belly. And she's like, I just knew that you guys would end up there. And I was like, (sighs) like, even when I tell that story now, I get chills all over my body. And I just like instantly started crying. And I was like, Oh my gosh, you don't know how God just used that vision to confirm something so silly. Like he used a to confirm that we were still in the right, you know, waiting process. And so that was the first part. And then a year and a half goes by again. And I'm at this, like the same place in my bed where I'm like feeling crazy and questioning everything. And I'm like, gosh, God, it's got, it's been another year and a half what am I doing? Am I still believing you for the wrong thing or the right thing? I need you to confirm or deny this again. Like I wasn't even thinking about the red bikini, but I was just like confirm or deny that we're gonna get pregnant because I can't keep waiting around for seven, eight years if you're not gonna do this. And then I poured my heart out of my journal and then ended my quiet time and sat down my computer to start working. And I had um, recently hired a social media manager to manage all like the Pinterest accounts and all those Mm -hmm. things. She was curating a Pinterest board that was just like the life that I love on Maui and she sent me an email and the subject line says, um, random thought of the day. And then you open it up and it was just a photo of a red bikini. And she said, what do you think about this? And I was like, Oh my gosh, you don't (laughs) understand how like I was just (laughs) praying that God would confirm or deny. And then all of a sudden here's a photo of a red bikini in my email. And I was like, okay, like he just uses these really like, that would not mean anything to anybody else, you know? But like for me, it was like, God, like, hang on, you know, like, so I wow. think that was one of the biggest things is like, just asking God to confirm or deny and write everything down. And from day one, write everything down because you never know what he's going to do with your story. And now I have this book that literally comes from my journal pages, all mm-hmm. the things from the last 10 years that I would have never normally remembered, you know, but just like be honest and dig in and do your best to survive, you know, and then cling to those promises and trust Him and let him stretch your faith. Yeah. Because you never let your faith stretch to the point where it tears and falls apart. That's not...
0: That's not his heart, right? and yeah. he's he's a good father. And so just like you would ask your dad like, okay, I'm struggling here. can you can you help me out? Can you give me any indication? Mm-hmm. like and and I know you're good and I know you say you're good. so be good in this instance right. and be good to me in this very in this exact question that I'm asking you for mm-hmm. um, and to go boldly with confidence before the throne because right. we have Christ on our account and because we can approach him and we mm-hmm. don't need. we don't need a pastor or a priest to take us there. You can go to God yourself, you know, um, and, and ask him for that. So I I love that advice and I am so excited to read this book and I just, I can't wait. It's going to be amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. So the three questions that I ask every guest are what is like something that makes your life easy as a mom? It could be organizing, efficiency, general advice, something that just kind of like helps you get through life.
1: Oh, man. Gosh, I feel like my answer would be like so specific to Jordan's personality. So like for me, what makes it so much easier is just to get outside when I just want to like be lazy and lay on the couch and throw some cartoons on, which we have our fair share of keep him happy Mm -hmm. for cartoons. But just to like get outside and to breathe and to breathe in some fresh air and let him run around. I feel like that. Makes my life easier. Uh, But also, just in terms of like quiet times, I think that I found like not to put the pressure on myself of like I'm not always going to have an hour to dig in. That's not realistic now, you know? So Mm -hmm. I actually just started just uh, writing the Bible. A girlfriend of mine was doing this for her quiet times where she just like opens up a chapter and just rewrites at verse like word for word. And so that is something that I can just like sit down. Like even this morning, he woke up an hour early. He woke up right on my alarm. My quiet time alarm went off to oh. wake me up in the morning is right when he's waking up now. And I'm like, isn't that oh, funny did I timing? Also. <laughs> Anyways, he woke up an hour early. So I had like a 20 minute window where like he laid down in his crib for a little rest and I can just like tell myself, okay, I don't have to dig in. But if I just like spend 10 minutes just writing out the word, then that's 10 minutes that I can just think on that and chew on it through the day, you know? But yeah, I think that, I don't know. I think organization and efficiency and all those things, honestly kind of make my brain hurt a little bit. I think I'm in survival mode right now with a toddler. So I think that it's just little things of like, doing what I can to breathe and like prep a meal Mm -hmm. in advance because he hates when I'm in the kitchen without him and Mm -hmm. little things like that. But I think just not, not, uh, giving myself a hard time, you know, of like showing myself a lot of grace Mm -hmm. because this is a really hard age. It's really, really sweet, but it's a really hard age. So I'm I'm right there too.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I, my youngest is, um, is a little over two. She's like, well, June. So I don't know, 27 months, but, um, they're my, my two are 19 months apart. And so, oh man, I still have like PTSD from that. But when, <laughs> so I think when I noticed it getting easier was when the older one turned two. Yeah. So you'll be right there, right? When the baby's born, like, you'll be right there. Like term, I'm waiting for him to turn two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just felt like it and now. I mean, my two-year-old still has like, she still throws fits to get what she wants and cries with like the intention to make you obey her, which is yeah. hard. But I mean, I think it too, it for, for me, at least it did. Like, I felt like I turned a corner where I didn't have two babies anymore. So yeah. maybe that will be your story. Yeah, <laughs> Let's totally. Cross your fingers. Yeah. I hope. <laughs> Um, what do you do for fun? Gosh.
1: Um, See, everything is different now for after having kids. Like yeah. my answers are so different. I just went to the movies by myself last weekend. I oh, that sounds kids. nice. I was like, all right, my husband put uh, Jordan down for a nap. And I was like, I'm going to the movies. Just <laughs> turn my brain off and lose myself in a movie for a couple of hours. But
0: what one? Um, what did you go see? I, it cut Crazy out. Rich Asians.
1: Oh, okay. I
0: yeah. don't know anything about that.
1: Yeah. Was it's it just good? Like a, yeah. Just a chick flick that okay. just takes place in. Um, singapore i think but yeah it's about a wedding and you know standard chick flick but yeah um, but i mean just since we live on maui a lot of times we just like go to the beach i go to the beach probably three times a week with jordan in the morning just to like get him out of the house let him run around and yeah uh, yeah that's, that's so that's fun much it. yeah just get outside and adventure and do stuff
0: i can't believe you live at like the the vacation capital of the u.s like it's not even right it's not even I right know. it's pretty crazy i have never been to hawaii and i really want to go i've told my husband yeah, it needs come. to be our 10-year anniversary for trip sure. well so.
1: that's what we moved here for our 10-year anniversary so okay
0: yeah there you go well, on my flights. i think that's my confirmation from the lord <laughs> yeah. that we're gonna do that <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: yes, um, yeah, that's great, so I'll have to come back to you for some vacation advice when we're actually there, so Perfect. <laughs> so, how do you rest? last question, how do you rest?
1: Oh goodness,
0: I feel like everyone always sighs on that question. they're always like,
1: oh, I wish
0: I could be resting <laughs> yeah i don't I don't know
1: that I really. I mean, is it really terrible to say that my like ne- like resting is just laying in bed watching a movie or something? Like, I mm-hmm. feel like that's how I turn my brain off is because mm-hmm. my brain is constantly moving with like writing or how to design something or if I'm chewing on some scripture or trying to figure out how to teach my son to not throw that thing or whatever. You know, if I can just like lay in bed with my laptop and watch mm-hmm. some reality show that's mindless, I can just like turn my brain off that way. Yeah. One way that I Mm -hmm. resting.
0: I, yeah, no, that's completely legit. And I am the same way. Like for me, watching Netflix is like so indulgent because I'm such a productivity, like freak with like I just can't sit still so for me to sit still and and just not do anything is like yeah. wow I am really living big like this is this is pretty risky so
1: totally I think that that's an indication of good rest is when I feel guilty about it you know right. like
0: that's what rest really looks like that's why I feel guilty saying well I just watched Netflix <laughs> yeah exactly I just did absolutely nothing yeah helpful for anything but it was good <laughs> for my brain so yeah totally yeah. I
1: love to take baths.
0: too. That helps. Oh, I know me too. Nice oh my gosh. With the laptop propped up so you can watch Netflix. Yes. That's <laughs> awesome. I usually play like audio audiobooks or podcasts or something and so, yeah, yeah, I love it. That's like, that's been my routine lately after the girls go to bed is I'm like, I'm going to take a bath. Peace out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, for sure. Oh man. Okay. And so where can people find you online and connect with you and how do we get your book? So my
1: website is janejohnson.com super easy uh, last uh, first and last name to remember so janejohnson.com My Instagram is Jane underscore Johnson. That is the downfall of having a really common name, Mm -hmm. is that there's a million Jane Johnson. So so Jane underscore Johnson on Instagram. And then so the book is available for pre-order now uh, across all avenues. Um, it's on Amazon and Christianbook.com and Books A Million and all those places. And we're doing a giveaway for the pre-order. So if you pre-order the book, you can go to my website, janejohnson.com. Um, and click on the, the book tab at the top of the page. And then scroll down, there's a link to take you to the order giveaway, and you can submit a copy of your receipt to enter to win um, the giveaway. And it's a prize pack of all of my favorite quiet time essentials. So it's a Mm. canvas bag. And um, I have a copy of my um, nine-week Bible study that I wrote. And there's a holiday devotional called uh, 25 Days of Advent that's perfect for the holidays coming up and pens and a candle and a mug and all kinds of goodies Awesome. really get you excited to sit down and have a quiet time with your favorite coffee or tea and the perfect candle and everything. So um After the book comes out with all of the pre-order receipts, one person is going to win a bag full of all the Quiet Time Essentials. And then we're also doing a giveaway for the Quiet Time Essentials plus a free copy of my favorite study Bible. It's a wide-margin study Bible, so somebody's going to get um, one of those. And then also a one-hour Skype teaching session with me to... uh, women's study group, Bible study event, whatever it is. So we're doing Jeez, a big That's a lot of that. stuff.
0: So that's, yeah. Totally that's totally awesome. I'm going to I'm gonna go pre-order right now. So yeah, that's totally.
1: perfect.
0: <laughs> Do it. Awesome. Well, thank you. That's perfect. We'll direct people there and um, we'll link all of that in the show notes so people can just go click on the website and get get all of that if they are confused. So well, Jane, thank you so much for coming on. This has been so fun to talk with you and just hear your heart and your story. And I'm excited to share that with the listeners. And I think it's going to be so encouraging for so many people. So thank you.
1: Perfect. Thanks so much for having me. It's been so great. I love this.
0: Thank you guys so much for listening. And I really pray that that conversation blessed you and encouraged you and just strengthened your faith in some way. And if you want to connect further with Jane or I, you can find us both on Instagram. I'm at Kindled Podcast and she's at Jane underscore Johnson. Her book is coming out October 2nd and you can pre-order it today if you want to get it. I literally hopped on to Amazon and pre-ordered it as soon as our conversation ended because I'm so excited to learn about these ways that Jane talked about that she teaches you how to study scripture. So I hope that you'll do the same if, uh, if that's something that you're looking to grow in this year. All right, guys, I will talk to you next week here on Kindled. Have a great day.